0: All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Wire football podcast, MWWire.com. As we can find all of our watch list things, our previews, our expansion talk max. That's still kind of going on realignment here and there. But we are doing our final team preview. We made it the Vatter Wolf Pack. Eleven other podcast. Number 12 is here. Then the season is here shortly. That's right.
1: So how are we feeling about the Wolfpack, especially after last year? Uh,
0: um, I filled in my win loss record projection. We'll get to it later. And well, I'm not feeling great, Matt, to be honest. Ken Wilson has a lot, a lot, a lot of work, to, a lot of work to cut out for himself to do to do a good job. He took over a very difficult position when Gene Orville left a year and a half ago, and so it's um. There's still work to be done to get this team to be um, competitive within a conference.
1: And he was definitely starting from a deficit, especially after all of the, uh, the high-profile defections last year. And and even despite all of that, you know, it's easy to forget perhaps that the, the Wolfpack actually started last year with two straight wins, you know, on the road at New Mexico State ended up being a bowl team. We've talked about the Aggies a couple of other times in these podcasts. And then at home against Texas State, you know, beating a a not-that-great Bobcats team the way that they probably should have, at least on paper. And then after that, the wheels just kind of came off in a number number of different ways. If it wasn't one thing, like, you know, giving up 55 points to Incarnate Word and a two-touchdown loss, it was other things. Like, you know, an offense that got shut out against – Iowa on the road, which you know may not be terribly surprising, but also they didn't have just a lot of good luck, period, throughout last year. They were also 0-3 in conference play and one score games. They've lost the Fremont Cannon to UNLV. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time it was all said and done, it was a team that you know it did a, a couple of things well, but on the aggregate was kind of a letdown, even despite the fact that they were you know turning over so much personnel. You thought that they might get some late season momentum, for example, in the way in the same way that Hawaii did, um, or have at least some maybe early season momentum like UNLV did to sort of get off to a better start. But they finished the year 125th by SP, they finished 114th in net points per drive, and they finished 116th in available yards percentage per drive. And now they've got to try and make progress while also missing you know, maybe arguably their top two or three defenders from last year. Um, Arguably their top two offensive linemen from the past two seasons, as well as some other playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. And so I know that there's, there are some prognosticators out there who think that they will at least be able to hold the line from last year's two and 10 record. But on paper, it's not the great, I mean, it's not, terrible because they do have a number of players coming back on both sides of the ball you know i believe they're returning at least half the starting lineup on both offense and defense but there are a lot of questions no doubt where it could go in a number of different directions including a step backwards
0: yeah because look at quarterback who they start cox and ellingworth all year long like who are they they rotated and played whether ineffectiveness or just not health-wise you just I'm looking at the high pass at every game. They basically split the high pass high passing yardages per game. So, mm-hmm. quarterbacks the question, running backs the question, because Towatao has been there for four plus years. He's gone, so I, it's it's. I would like to be optimistic, but I'm also like realistic. I'm like I don't know what's there to like. They they gave up 34 sacks on the offensive line for the quarterback from them, but not great offensive line play. They running game was three or just over three yards of carry. B.J. Castillo was a pretty good receiver. He's one of the, probably the spotlight of the team with 48 receptions, and he's not there anymore. And so, I don't know what to look for. What's what's a, what's a positive? Like, we start quarterback. Like what are they? What is the situation they're going to be? Because they just kind of rotated last year. On Nate Cox and doubled the yards of Shane Ellingworth, but it's not like he was very good. They only had seven total touchdown passes. Matt, that's got to be one of the worst in the country last year.
1: I, you know, worst in the country for a non-option team, but we'll say that. Um, okay. We'll I think give if, you, some, if
0: you <laughs> if you dig
1: deep enough into Illingsworth numbers, you can make a case that he was maybe a little bit underserved by the talent that was around him. You, know, you mentioned the sack, rate, right? And, you know, this, I think, ties definitely into the offensive line as well. But, you know, between him and cox you know they also absorbed a team sack rate of eight point five percent last year which was 104th in the country so it's not like the guys in front were often doing them a lot of favors and at least according to pro football focus there are some signs to think that like if he can get a little more reliable help from in the passing game that he might be able to take a step forward provided he can win the job for instance so like he only started six starts only had a completion rate of 57.9%, only 5.2 yards an attempt. But at the same time, PFF has their adjusted completion rate percentage, which accounts for drops and things like that. And Illingsworth's figure, 71.2% was actually fifth in the Mountain West among quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks. And that was, I think, owing mostly to the fact that he also dealt with with a drop rate of 9.6% among his receivers. So if that comes down, like if that gets cut in half, let's say, you know, that's a hand that's like one or two more completions per game. That's potentially one or two more extended drives Mm -hmm. that the Wolfpack weren't getting last year. So there is that perhaps to look forward to, but then it may also be that the situation goes back to score one where nobody can seize control of the role, especially since they brought in another quarterback from the transfer portal and Brandon Lewis from Colorado.
0: Yeah, he 15 games um, starting for Colorado in 2021. So and remember Colorado, not very good team. So it's not like they're no. bringing the guy. The experience is helpful, clearly, but they bring in a guy who was at Colorado was good in 2020. They had a pretty good their solid year that season. But Brandon Lewis played for one of the worst teams in the country and he transfers to one of the worst teams in the country. So his his more started experience and playing time, but I don't wouldn't expect too much. He might I might lean. I don't know if I'd even lean to a starter. It's a competition, but like they bring him yeah, in. I mean to, cause Nate Cox is gone. So just Illingworth versus uh, Brandon Lewis here. Brandon Lewis here.
1: And and I think it's worth noting that, you know, in his time with the Buffaloes, it wasn't like he was bad. You know, it was it was a sophomore season or excuse me, it was a freshman season, I believe. Um, maybe a restaurant freshman, I apologize.
0: But COVID year, whatever you want to call it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But he completed 58% of his throws and he had 10 touchdowns against only three interceptions.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, okay. he was,
1: he, I believe he had uh, a streak of 150 ar- uh, completions without an interception or 100, 150 attempts rather. Um, 150 completions without an interception would be remarkable. Anyway, that was the third longest streak in that program's history. So, like, he has flashed a propensity to at least take care of the football, which is not an insignificant thing in an offense that looks like it's going to have questions everywhere. I think, I think he also may deserve at least a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because, as you mentioned, like Gyllenhaal last year, he didn't have a lot to work with them around him in Boulder either. And so I think the hope is that one of those guys is going to claim the job clearly enough that they don't have to go back through this rotation that cost them like half the season last year. but if it's they so can't tough. it's so bad. but if they can't you know then there might be other options on the table like maybe they give AJ Bianco the former you know top recruit from Hawaii maybe they give him a look or alternatively maybe they turn to a true freshman like Jacks Leatherwood. so I think they're hoping for the best but at a minimum maybe they have options that they can at least turn to if it looks like the rebuild is going to take another season and they're going to want to get younger guys longer, you know, at more extended auditions, you might say.
0: Yeah. And then if we're going to running back, like I mentioned, Toto, who started the forever and was above average throughout this time, time frame. but okay. Now what are they going to do? They bring in transfer running backs like, um, Brent, um excuse me, um Sean Doll- dollars from Oregon. They're top two. They have Ashton Hayes, both transfers coming in. Maybe they can, And do something for playing, um, like especially dollars at the a good Oregon program, and then where'd where'd Hayes come from? Was he from Cal, yeah, Cal. And Cal's not necessarily known for their explosive offense, but it could be more transfer guys stepping in. It's also a lot of schools, like transfer guys who's gonna come and start, they come in right away, and maybe dollars could do something for them to at least replace guys who've actually played a little bit of college football. It's tough to replace a four or five-year starter. And we look at what he's done at, at his past school. I'm trying to oh great thanks for pop up websites here. I love it when pop ups show up when I'm doing when I'm looking for information. But he played a, he played a dozen games last year. He was injured in 2021, but never game during the COVID year. He played a, he's played a lot. He played as a freshman red shirt, still got to use a red shirt year playing in four games. But his stats weren't anything amazing. He did a 5 five and a half fair of carry in the time he had last year, which just under 200 yards. And could catch the ball reasonably well. So there's that like, there's, I think there is some potential with him there for just being around a really good program in Oregon, but his experience is lacking, which most transfer players who come in or they transfer reason, not getting playing time, um, didn't live up to the expectation or just whatever reason it may be. And I could see a little bit with dollars being okay. Like, like he's shown a little bit here, and there cause Oregon's good, but it's going to be wait and see in some of these positions. And that's one where it's better that than having some younger guy who's never, ever played. So that's a positive. I could lean that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I would have to imagine the dollars is probably going to get every chance to beat the guy in the backfield. And I, I think, you know, the yards per carry that you mentioned last year, if you're a Nevada fan, that's probably what you're hoping to see, especially since, you know, for, for as prolific as, as, Toatawa was in accumulating counting stats. He wasn't always the most efficient running back out there. Case in point, he only averaged 4.2 yards per carry last year, his final season. So I have to think that if dollars can at least get to 4.5 yards per carry, like that right there is probably going to be a win. But, you know, beyond that, you know, they just don't have a ton of on-field experience, which makes it very hard to project you know, because I believe dollars only has like something like 67 career touches. Um, yeah. You know, 18 career receptions and 49 carries behind him. Hayes. you know, you mentioned he comes in from Cal, but he was primarily a kick returner with the golden bears Reno native. So I, you know, he's, he's from the area and, you know, he was, I believe recruited pretty heavily by the program at least recorded very heavily out of high school.
2: Yeah, and then beyond them, you have the other year.
1: guys, you know, who have, have seen you know very limited playing time with Loisley Comer, Cross Patton. So I think again, you're hoping for the best, which is that dollars can be at least an adequate replacement for, for Tawa and Devontae Lee out the gate. But in the worst case scenario, no again, like quarterbacks, you know, nobody steps up and it's a mess of a running game that averages four yards a game.
0: This it's gonna. Like we're gonna, I'm trying to be positive here, but there's a lot of hope, hope, or wish, hope, wishcasting, hoping maybe if just kind of a we'll see type of positions here, because like you mentioned, they'll lose. All, it's also losing. It's two things, man. They weren't great last year, but they're also losing in some positions a lot of experience that even that wasn't that was just okay. Like to talent, Devontae, they were fine. They weren't amazing, but they weren't bad. But they're losing, but losing that type of talent on a team that's. Projected to not be great is devastating, mm-hmm. and I just don't know what to. I think their running game will be will probably be their bright spot. But what happens if, let's just say it is whoever's a quarterback, Brendan Lewis or Shane Illingworth, and they're just not ideal? Teams can just stack the box and just attack, and like, okay, we don't care if you throw; you're not a good quarterback; you can't give me passes. So when you do try to run, we have seven, eight guys up there. Play action is never going to work, and then it'll stifle the running game. So there's nothing. Are they going to have to? I don't know. There, there's a lot of scenarios where I could see it going really bad. I hope that's not the case. I hope one of these so guys did, pops out and does something, but it's... Uh, so I'm emphasize struggling.
1: that point, this seems like a really good time to note that in terms of opportunity, right, which is just the, the ability to get your running backs to the second level, the Wolfpack were 126th in the country last year. Ech. They were only able to do so 40.9% of the time. So you're absolutely right. Like it's gonna take a lot of things to come together for this running game to really work the way that I think they envision it to. I think if you're looking for upside on this side of the ball, it is probably in the pass catchers, though. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of that is gonna depend on just getting improved quarterback play. Because yeah, they have at least the a couple of interesting they have at least a couple of interesting pieces and then some wild cards beyond that who could feasibly catch somewhere between 20 and 30 passes this year. You know, one guy that I think maybe deserves a little more attention than he's received this offseason is a guy like Dalavon Campbell, Mm -hmm. who, you know, on paper, like the numbers don't necessarily jump out, but it obscures the fact that he had a pretty strong end to the season. In the last five games, 25 catches, 322 yards and a touchdown. Not a ton of ability to stretch the field, but again, part of that probably has to do with a little quarterback play or just, you know, misfiring, things like that. But there was no doubt that he was the team's number one option by season's end. So I think you look at his physical profile. I believe he's listed at like six foot four. You know that's an unusual physical profile for you know wide receivers. I think among the entire conference this year. So he's a very interesting player that I've, I'm. I'm looking forward to see what kind of progress he can make, um, regardless of whoever's on our center. And then, you know, to a lesser extent, you know, Jamal Bell has proven he can handle the slot. You know, no touchdowns last year, but he did have 28 catches for 279 yards. The trick for him is he has to improve the 15% drop rate that he had last
0: year. Yeah, you can't, you definitely can't do that. And then also Spencer Curtis is back. So they do have, the numbers weren't great, man, but they have guys who've played and had somewhat of a success. Yeah, that drop rate's not great. Lower that down well below 10%. That's going to be solid. Um, But but I was going to say, but one of the... Oh, no, you go ahead. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. You continue.
1: I was just going to say, we got one of the questions from one of our followers on Twitter about which player position group do you think has the potential to surprise? And I do think this unit would be my answer. And to answer more specifically the other part of that question, it's actually two answers, in my opinion, that I'm very interested to see what kind of role they end up playing. On the one hand, you know, they bring in a guy like John Jackson III from USC, who is is you know, one of those guys, one of a number of guys who's sort of indicative of Nevada's strategy through the transfer portal, which was to sort of pick through the Pac-12, find, you know, former three-star, maybe low four-star guys and see what they might be able to do. So, uh, you know, someone like Jackson might be able to thrive with an outside receiver um, in a, you know, in an admittedly less stacked wide receiver room. Um, yeah. And alternatively, another guy like tight end Kelechi Latchu coming in from Cal, eighteen catches, two hundred seventy-one, two hundred seven yards, and a touchdown last year. Maybe he can be that answer, that added weapon that the Wolfpack didn't really have last year, where I think they expected um, uh, they expected more from Carlton Brown before he transferred to Cal Poly, didn't quite get it, and then beyond that, you know, you mentioned Curtis is back. You know, Carlos Sandy is also back. And and between Dyson Frank and Cooper Schultz, they have at least a pair of reliable blocking tight ends. So I do think this group has something.
0: Mm-hmm. But again, it it's gonna depend on there. the
1: offensive line taking a step forward to help the quarterback, and then the quarterback's gonna have to help themselves to help the receivers.
0: I think a lot of these guys, like when we mix the jacks and these transfers coming in, whether a, a guy I think with return guys who only have special team experience like Jackson, similar as a running back situation from the other Cal transfer and running back. They have played special teams. This could be, there's gonna be a spot for him and others to where, Hey, it's like their last go around. So they're going to make do it the best they can. Like Jackson's listed as a backup Z receiver. If you look over at our lads, which is <laughs> does a pretty good job putting together a depth chart. So he's not actually like coming to be one of the top three guys, but there's players like him and Ashton Hayes actually, a running back where, Hey, this Hayes has more time to play. I should say, cause he's a younger player, but for Jackson, like I was reading up what wrote at Nevada sports that like his grandfather was part of the USC coach staff. That was with Charles White winning national championships, all his family are elite athletes at USC. As, uh, as was, I think his sister is a current PAC 12, all conference um soccer player. And <laughs> then he goes there and doesn't, follow up to what they're doing. to kind of what the successes families had of their coaching or playing at USC and they play in week one, which is kind of an interesting thing that he noted about kind of, I'll be fun to see those guys, but it'll be a chance for him. Like, Oh, here's my last chance to actually do something. Like if he has a good, good he's probably, honestly, he's probably not playing football after this year. He probably knows that who knows if what, how, how this year turns out. If he shows up and has like 60 catches and like, six touchdowns, like 800 yards, 500 yards or something, or 800 yards, something, something above average. Like, oh, maybe we'll a look at a USFL or something like that. But these type of guys, this is kind of what Nevada might need. Like some of these people, it's either their last chance to really be good or their first chance to come out. Like, all right, I, here's, a, here's a fresh new start. Like the, excuse me, M um, Hayes coming in, not to go back to running back, but he's from Nevada. Like, hey, here's my chance to shine, to have success. And with a couple of guys coming in receiver, and with the guys coming back like you mentioned, Jamal Bell and these players, it's it is an area like to similarly answer a question about what could be like not necessarily a surprise unit, but the best unit and on the offense is probably going to be this group. But again, it goes back to remember thirty-four sacks last year. Ellingworth had minus one hundred eleven sacks yards, twenty sacks, and so the line's going to bear a lot out to this team how well they'll be everywhere.
1: Yeah, and it's funny too because you you the way that you frame sort of the situation with every other position group we've talked about so far, you know guys who are coming in from other places, Pac-12 destinations who are like hungry to take advantage of that chance. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really apply to the offensive line because you know on the one hand it was not particularly good last year. We mentioned the sack rate a little bit earlier, also ranked in the triple digits nationally by stuff rate. By you know overall sack rate, which I think I mentioned earlier, line yards per carry, they were 119th, and they and they very clearly missed Aaron Frost, who by the way no longer with the team. He transferred out to Arizona State, and then they also lost their best offensive lineman from last year as well, Grant Stark, transferred to Oregon State. So even despite the fact that they're bringing back seven different players who had at least one start last year. You know, it goes back to what you mentioned earlier about, you know, returning production is only going to get you so far. Other than maybe Zach Welch, who, you know, six starts last year, 67.8 PFF grade was, I believe, the best among uh, any returners among this unit. There's just a lot that we don't know about how much they're going to be able to improve. Because a lot of guys got playing time last year. And, you know, maybe there's one or two open competitions but there's a lot of unknowns. Like one one case in point, you know Isaiah World is probably going to start at one of the left ta- or one of the offensive tackle positions. He was at right tackle in 2022. He's projected in, in most places to the left this year, but he had 11. He gave up 11 sacks according to Pro Football Focus. Granted, one player. Yeah, that was that yes. was his freshman campaign. So, like, yeah, he was definitely okay. getting his feet under him, so to speak. But th- that is sort of the example of of what this offensive line is going to collectively face because they have a number of experience options at this point. You know, Welch is one, World is another. You know, they're losing Bryce Peterson to graduation, but Andrew Madrigal is back. He started games at center and guard last year. So that you know they have players back, like we haven't even mentioned, like Kai Arno, Frank Refrank, Poso, you know, Jacob, Joey Capra, excuse me. So they have options, but it's one, we don't know how it's going to shake out, you know, who's going to win starting jobs. And two, it's not a given that they're going to progress. And so if this unit stagnates, then the rest of the offense is going to end up navigating a lot of the same problems or all of the same problems that they did a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be learning quickly when they open up against USC. And they play a good Idaho team, who's, I think, a top 10 FCS team week two. So they're going to be thrown out there quickly. And that lack of experience, yeah, they started and played a little bits, It's going to be a rough go early on. And it's what's going to, unfortunately, if you're a Nevada fan, you're going to make for a long season. Maybe a couple of guys step up and the experience will toughen them up and build them for a year, next year or two. But like you mentioned, what'd you say? Seven players, like, one start each for a handful of players. That's not a lot. Mm-hmm. That's not good for a player when you, when you put the loss from last year. So I, it's hard to say it can't be worse than last year, but they may want to buckle up, man, and be ready. Cause there's a chance it may not be as good as last year.
1: Yeah. I think if you're looking for improvement, you just, you want an offensive line that can keep defenders from getting into the backfield as consistently as they have been over the last couple of years. You know, even two years ago, they had a stuff rate that was 129th in the country. You know, twenty five percent, basically, that wasn't really much better in twenty twenty two. It was twenty point three, trending in the right direction. But I think if you're if you're looking for this offense to take a step forward, it has to keep. You know that that those kinds of numbers in particular have to keep coming down. They have to be able to open consistent, consistent running lengths for, for guys like dollars and Hayes and whoever all ends up in the backfield. They just have to be better as a group.
0: Yeah, and maybe the offense they'll they'll be able to change a couple of things where it's a shotgun or do it or State did last year with Clay Miller at quarterback where he was getting chased all around where it's quick passes, short passes, and we can expect it because last year Tua Tawa, at the running back had forty one receptions, and then you had Devontae Lee had thirteen. So there's a precedent for them to throw the ball to the backfield to running backs, swing mm-hmm. passes, short passes. Maybe that's something they'll they'll need to do, and maybe do some counter type plays whether play action counters are just traditional. Like I, mean, I know I mentioned before, play action may not work if they're not throwing the ball well, but something a little bit creative, a little bit to just give the quarterback an extra half second or second with some sort of delay type play motion, shotgun, something. They're going to have to be a little more creative in the plays they run to allow more time to throw. If the offensive line is not very good. And so there's mm-hmm. a couple of things they could do and probably what they'll have to maybe have a pulling tackle or a pulling guard on certain plays just to have an extra blocker for some type of play they're going to run, have a tight end or have a receiver go in motion to kind of clip a defensive end and run a quick out route or something. Or like a fade or like a, not fade or up, like a, you know I mean? Just like, just kind of go to cross two yards across line scrimmage for a quick pass. I don't, sorry, I don't know the exact term, kind of an out pattern, but a shorter one, if you know what I mean, but something like that to get the, get the ball to their hands quickly and provide as much time as possible. And that could be a way to assist or build confidence to where they're making plays whether, so the quarterback's obviously not getting right, right, rushed down or chased down. The offensive lineman's not getting beat as much or just shows them just showing any type of success will build confidence. Like, oh, I can do this, and then maybe that'll work and I can get them a few more points through there. But that's kind of what they'll probably have to do and rely more on scheme than talent until those two kind of bounce out and even out to where the talent gets closer to what type of scheme they want to run that they can open the book more. So mm-hmm. that... I think that's their best hope with this inexperience of a line, new quarterback, new running backs. Like it's a lot of new players coming in. And I don't have a fan how many players came in to participate in spring football, but regardless, it's a new, it's a lot of new team, whether graduation and transfers coming in and the offense is going to have to, uh, again, they're not to make, make most of what they have. And some of these guys want to for themselves or give one last chance to ball out.
1: So now here's a fun question for you. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think the defense is re- reloading or do you think it's rebuilding in 2023?
0: Man, I don't know. They gave up, let's see, 55, 48, 31, 35, 41, 41 points a game.
1: You know, what's kind of funny, like by some measures, the defense was very Mexico like last year. Okay. And I say that because, you know, if you, if you, like I said, if you sort of examine the numbers a little bit clo- more closely, I mentioned earlier, yeah that the, the team as a whole was 114th in net points per drive, for example. But a lot of that had to do more with the inefficiencies on offense than with the defensive side of the ball. On that side of the ball, they were actually 69th in the country, allowing 2.26 points per drive. Same thing with available yards percentage, You know where the offense was 125th, the defense was actually 51st. And they did at least a couple of things well. Like they had 11 interceptions last year in pass defense. They had a sack rate as a team just outside the top 50, 6.7%. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're replacing just as much on this side of the ball, if not more. And I think the there is maybe even bigger questions about how they're going to replace some of the production, especially up front where they're having to replace Don Peterson an all-time program great with, you know, some known quantities back with fall, but no one that has proven to be anywhere nearly as productive as he had as Peterson was in his career.
0: No, he is great. I know he's a little bit injury issues here and there, but he's your favorite player ever from the bad football. We get it, but he's also really That's good. Correct. Like he, he, you're right. he took up space. He made plays. He may not, I honestly don't think he got the recognition he should have deserved for how important he was to this team. So that's a gigantic loss, and his. Well, here's what I'll say, Here's what I'll say though.
1: I think the interior of the defensive line might be all right.
0: Well, I can think I of Jackson or necess- Duke from Oregon, who could be interesting.
1: Well, is he? Isn't he more likely to play a linebacker?
0: Oh, or they I have him set an edge. Uh, eh, I've seen both, so maybe I'm misspeaking here, but. Continue with your thought well, about the interior. What why it could be so good? Well, I was. I mean, I'm, I'm. I mean, I think they'll be adequate. I think because
1: they have at least three or four guys who could reasonably fit into that rotation, and even if there isn't an all conference performer in the bunch, they might all be like relatively strong links collectively. So, like you know, James Hansen and Dion Washington, for example, only combined for three sacks and eight TFLs last year. But you know, between the two of them, they—I don't think they were on the field quite as often as Peterson was from down to down. So, yeah, and just—I—I I went and looked with that. Peterson played 490 snaps, and both Hanson and Washington played under 400. So you figure, you know, some of that workload comes to them. Maybe they're a little bit more productive. You know, they also brought in you know Machiavelli, uh, Tumau from Utah Tech. Limited sample size, but he was pretty productive with the Trailblazers. You know, Dwight Togolia, same thing. Pretty promising in a small sample last year for the Wolfpack. So the interior might be fine. I think the bigger question is, okay, well, who's going to rush the passer from the edge? Who's going to defend the run from the edge? Because, you know, they do have some holdovers from last year. Louis Cresto is back. Thomas Witt is back. You know, Elijah Winston, who's probably going to be that primary rush linebacker is back as well. But, you know, the major X factors up front is, you know, someone like, for example, uh, Henry Ikaikahifa. we tight end for the Wolfpack, went away for a couple of years, went to Juco, went to Cal, back with the Wolfpack as a defensive end. What is he going to be able to accomplish? It's, it's just a... It's it's a situation that I'm not sure what to make of it. Like I don't know exactly what they're getting what they're expecting to get out of their edge rushers, but they need something. Because at least in terms of like pass rushing for example, you have the t- as a team they had 27 sacks last year. Don Peterson had 6 of them. Nobody else had more than 3. Same thing in terms of like tackles for loss. You have 76 as a team, Peterson had 13. No one no one else on the team had more than 9 and maybe more importantly up front among the defensive linemen, that, that number was down to five. So they just need, as a group, more guys to be a little more productive, a little more disruptive, to be able to make up for the one big hole in the center of that defense.
0: Yeah, it's going to take a lot. And a couple one, – one interesting thing, like we'll get to the line, but I was just looking at returning talent. Did you see uh, who three of the top four tacklers are from last year who are gone?
1: Yeah, wasn't it the people in the secondary?
0: Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, secondary. all three other so safeties. Be, yeah, all three safeties, including Bentley Sanders. We're going to, this is, this and it goes back to the defensive front line. Like, how good were they last year? I know Peterson was solid and when he hit 50, 30, 34 tackles last year, six sacks, but the defensive front has to step up and do more. You can't have your secondary be, it was three of their top four, four of their top six, and Five other top eight tacklers were from the secondary. That's not good. You got to have that means their running backs are getting to second level. They're getting easy passes across the middle. They got to have you want your linebacker, obviously, this is no doubt you want like like Drew Drew Watts back to be your top tackle. You want other linebackers, defensive linemen to be the guys who are leading your team in tackles. Don't want all your safeties and secondary and cornerbacks to make those type of plays. So -hmm. that kind of goes back to where, okay, the, the front wasn't that great last year they need guys to come in and have those, they need to flip that. Like if you have one safety who's up there, it could be a guy who just quarter blitzes or steps up into the, uh, the hybrid position teams out there now, but they got to have these new guys step up and be be playmakers and be aggressive. You can't, because it takes away from your secondary if you're having to make all these tackles, whether it be designed because you don't like, you don't trust it, or they're the front seven just doing a poor job of getting hands and tackling people. And so whoever's up there, they just got to, Ken Wilson, who's a defensive coach by the way, coming from Washington State from before, he's got it right. Washington State, correct, right? Not uh, yeah, yeah. Ken Wilson came yeah, from yeah. Oregon, didn't he? No. Oh shoot. Who, oh man, I I don't want to get this wrong. This is terrible. I, I want to hold on. I'm gonna double check. I, I'm like, wait, as so I said, I'm like, wait, is that right? I'm pretty sure it's Oregon. Otherwise, yeah, it was Oregon. Otherwise, was Washington State. I'm thinking of something else. I apologize for that. But him being a defensive guy. He's got to figure it out and not have your secondary lead your team in tackles. And so the front guys coming in, like whether it be transfers or new players, it's gotta be figure it out. Like they have co-defensive coordinators, obviously, if you didn't weren't sure, like Derek Sage and uh Kwame Aguman are the guys, but again, the main thing I'm reading right here, lost stuff. Get in the backfield, make plays, get tackled, sacks. Maybe there's a I don't know I don't know man I'm just like seeing that again and researching what the defensive players were doing who was making the plays they have the wrong they kind of have the wrong guys making tackles Matt that's my long winded answer there or comments well
1: and I think your answer to that though is not necessarily all on the defensive line I think if you're looking for anything you're looking for more production from the linebackers because at least on paper it seems to me like that unit is this is the strength on this side of the ball coming into this fall you mentioned okay. drew watts earlier another guy who maybe didn't get enough attention in terms of like up and commerce across the mountain west 57 tackles last year nine tfls three sacks you know he had a quality campaign and mm-hmm. he's pretty much set in the middle of that defense set it yeah. and forget it as far as you know, he's like the new lawson hall in a sense um you know naki Matei alona also pretty good um 54 tackles three and a half tfls two sacks so you know that duo was probably set alongside Winston, who's more of like that rush type. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger question is, you know, they also brought in a pair of uh, transfers. you mentioned Leduc. they also brought in Malcolm McClure from Cal. How does that duo fit in the picture? So I do think that you know, they've got some pretty clear talent up, up front. I think you know if if I'm betting on one guy to be an all conference type guy, it might be someone like Watts, but I, I also wouldn't count out Alona if he can be a more consistent tackler.
0: Yeah, again, that's what did he have? He had fifty, had yeah, two sacks, fifty three tackles last year. Mm-hmm. I just I just need defenders to make plays. Like before we move on linebackers, I I did I was looking at when I met inside when it was the Oregon trips or is from inside line. I don't know why that inside mm-hmm. lineman. I was just misreading. Or maybe what I was reading wasn't good information. I just, oh, inside means down lineman, But you're right. Like, if those guys can, like, if my, I'm going to, I'll say Naki because I'm going to butcher the last name. Because I remember, did you see our DM from our buddy Josh about the Colorado State? guy? Like, 10 vowels in there. I'm like, those names, we do our best.
1: To it's my I' am on
0: yeah, Mate Alona, I, 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 yes, I, it's it's difficult, but like he could. What if he gets ten percent better? What if this other guy gets a few better? And that, if that unit's going to be what we think could be pretty good, like that could go a long way. So not giving up the thirty plus points a game they're doing when they're playing, like give up freaking thirty points to Hawaii last year, it's unacceptable. Like giving up forty plus to Boise and Fresno, okay, not the end of the world, but we give all fifty five points in current word. That group is going to have to do two things because if they need to get up the quarterback clearly and then help a little bit in coverage, because we're, now this year, especially, we're replacing three of the four secondaries, including a fringe All American and Bentley Sanders. And so they just, they only so, had so 10 in sack, the secondary 10 sacks now. last year. Was that their 10? Did they have only 10 sacks last year? Am I, am I reading 12 sacks last year? Got no,
1: I mean, that. Peter Peterson oh, had 20, six, oh. but they're.
0: What am I looking at here? Oh man, I'm on the wrong website. I'm looking at. <laughs> sorry, I was looking at interceptions, not sacks. So let's go. To, right. Let's stick with that interception sec- section with DB because Sanders had five last year, and he's gone. Three of the top four guys are gone, like we mentioned. So who's going to be their who's their main guy in the secondary, Matt? Who do you think that's going to be? Well,
1: okay, so it isn't quite as dire as it may seem, losing so many, you know, leading tacklers. I, I think it's pretty clear they definitely got pushed a lot more than they are probably comfortable with in 2022, you know, 60% completion rate allowed 7.8 yards per attempt allowed. And and maybe most damningly, you might say only 43 pass breakups, which was tied for the fewest in the mountain West. I think you, the, you know, the silver lining though, is that two guys who had a pretty big chunk of that are both back for this fall. And I would imagine on paper, those are probably Nevada's starting two cornerbacks, Isaiah Asissima, who had nine and two interceptions, and Jaden Deadman, who had eight plus three and a half tackles for loss. So I do think that they are probably set there. They also brought in, you know, a guy like Trey Weed through the transfer portal, who might be a pretty important pickup if he can make that job his own. He came in from Eastern Washington. Last year he had 30 tackles and three interceptions. And then there is the potential for some other guys who've played in more limited roles over the last one or two you know, handful of years that could feasibly step up and take on a full-time role. I think one that I'm very interested to see if he can finally win a starting job and what he might do with it is Ivani Johnson, who only 173 snaps last year, but among Wolfpack players on the defensive side of the ball, he did manage a PFF overall grade of 79.8. That, you know, that is number one among defenders back for 2023. That's so good. I'm very interested to see if he can be that kind of guy to you know take that small sample and turn it into something that the Wolfpack can rely upon all season.
0: Well, he's played. This is his, what, six-year of eligibility for Johnson?
1: Yeah, so he's
0: been around for a while. And the hope would be and, for And, him and I was play. just
1: saying, you know, last year last year was his best overall season. So despite the fact that he hasn't, been a, a full time you know, starter in his tenure with the Wolf Pack. Maybe now is his time now that there are so many job openings in that
0: secondary. Yeah. That's the same. Like, there's a handful of guys who we mentioned, whether or not they put, oh, just special teams, but they're seeing the field, but just not necessarily in a huge capacity. Like, he's appeared, like, appeared could be one snap, honestly, one play, but mm-hmm. in 24 games the past two years, 33 games he's played, he's played in 40. Played about forty five ish games if my, my math is correct here, and that's a that's a lot of games to play. And it's just now it could be one of those guys here. Now's my chance to be. Yeah, I played a games last year. I'll play in every game now. It could be it should be a starter this year. I'm gonna have more opportunities. Sometimes it takes a minute for guys to get better, and him playing in that amount of games and having a okay amount of experience. Maybe like he, like we said, maybe it's the time. Okay, now here's my time to shine. I'm going to do it because I know I'm the guy. And there could be a million reasons, like oh, I whatever hesitancy, or maybe they don't think they're that good because they don't play, they don't start. But you got to have the confidence. I'm not saying he doesn't, but some players are like oh, I'm just a backup here. I'm just here for when a guy gets tired. Now you're the guy, and there's a there's a lot of good. everyone. This whole team, this whole team should be thirsty and ready to go and wanting to make good plays and help this team to be better because they weren't good last year. Everybody knows if you're going to be pretty, if you want to be pretty good or if you're going to be at least decent on your team, you're going to have a good chance to play and make a name for yourself. So there's opportunities around, even in the secondary where there's two guys who have not nailed down, but a couple spots are open. So I just, everybody's team has a chance to make a name for themselves. If you, even if you're number three right now, if you're number three linebacker, if you're sitting here and you're like Maurice Wilmer, middle linebacker number three, he's a redshirt senior, maybe he will have a chance to come out and play. Your Casey Williams, backup, a strong safety. You're probably going to get a chance to see some playing time to make a make a name for himself, at least at least be productive on some level because there's, there's very few players on this team, if at all, like, oh, he's your starter no matter what. There's not a ton of players. There's going to be room to shift this depth chart around to make plays and move up, move up, or even move down if you're one of the guys who unfortunately doesn't play extremely well. There's opportunities at balance I'm getting that. And I think that, that's what there could be hope for this team. Guys, there's just coaches are going to give guys a chance to come out there and play.
1: Maybe not so much on special teams though.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fine.
1: But, th- but that's because you know Nevada's in a pretty Brandon good spot there, all things considered.
0: <laughs> yeah. All time yeah. conference
1: yeah. leader now in field goals.
0: Field goals made? Yeah. I I remember he was at Purdue he beat a couple years ago, like in 2019. Ah, oh, those were the days. Beating Purdue and guys stiff arming uh to, <laughs> was it a Carson Trunk throwing the stiff arm against people and spinning around and running for big plays
1: you know, wasn't entirely healthy last year, did miss five games in the middle of the season, but was still just as good as ever when he was on the field, 10 of 12 on field goal tries last year. And even when he was hurt, you know, Matthew Killiam you know, held his own when he had, you know, the opportunity to shine three of five on field goal attempts, 10 of 11 on extra points. So I think that Wolfpack fans can feel pretty good about the future. Once Telton graduates and then Matt Freem also had a pretty nice debut as a punter as well. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just it it may not be a, a unit that has like all conference players anywhere, but Tolton's definitely gonna be in the conversation. And it wouldn't shock me because you know, punters do tend to have kind of linear year over year progress. So a frame can improve just a little bit more that could bode well for the defense's chances of getting off the field a little more often as well.
0: Yeah, help with the field, help with those things. So it'll be, you know, it will be the strength where make a field goals, the offense comes up short, but. Uh... Yeah. Also, one thing before we get to schedule, um, did you see they're bringing in the uh, touchdown trident to counter the uh, takeaway trident? Well, that's good. Hopefully, can they use it enough this year? Though that's the thing, I want them to. You can't bring out a new trophy or sideline prop and uh, have it kind of sit in the trunk all year. So, they better get the offense, brings that motivation to have the takeaway trident do well and also the touchdown trident. So, looks like um it was, um, I think, donated with four new tridents two for touchdowns, two for takeaways. So, hopefully, they'll get that team sparked up like the giant slot machine we have in, in UNLV. Boise State used to have the turnover thrown, or the touchdown thrown. What was it? I forget what it was. I think it's a turnover thrown, right? A couple yeah. years ago. So, props are great. Now, just um, hopefully you get to use a blog because that's that that's what makes college football fun. That's right. All right, time for schedules. Let's do it. Oh boy, they start at USC. Number six ranked USC, Pac-12 Network evening late afternoon game. Um. Is this going to be like an Alabama-Utah State game last year where the starters are pulled at halftime because it's getting such out of hand? Probably. Oh, no. <laughs> Great. Like, what, what – like, not to – we're both saying it's lost. We're not. We know what's going on here. It's not going to be a victory for Wolfpack. Like, what can we – what do you want to see in this game where, okay, I see something here to where there might be – like, show some sort of a, like proof of concept or something where, okay – I see where there's a positive or a bright spot here. Like, what can we see? Is it because the UFC defense was not great last year? I don't know how much better they can be this year. Is that near where <clears> we see if the quarterback or running back to make some plays, make some opportunities for himself to say, hey, there's a little something there? That's about the only area yeah. I can maybe see defense is going to struggle, including the good They're they
1: They're not going to match Caleb Williams and Brenton Rice and Mario Williams and Dorian Sanger and company point for point. Like, of course I think they're. that's pretty clear. Yeah, I think even the, the most optimistic wolf back then would probably agree with that. But I do think you're right. Like, yeah, the, the Trojans also brought in a ton of players through the transfer portal.
0: Um, again. Okay.
1: Again, yeah. And <laughs> and they do have, you know, standout holdovers, like, you know, Kalen Bullock is back. He might be the best safety in the country. Shane Lee is still around. He might be an all-conference player. So, But I do think, like, if he... Yeah, you you gotta at least prove you can move the ball a little bit, yeah, even if on paper the Trojans will have more talent. Like you, because you're gonna get the first crack at at seeing just how much progress that USC is gonna be able to make on that side of the ball. That's a team that harbors playoff aspirations. So mm-hmm. I think if I'm in the, if I'm a Wolfpack fan, I'm just looking for I don't know, seventeen points, maybe.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. The line right now is 38 and a half. 38 and a half in favor of obviously USC. So. Or excuse me, 30. Probably 48. gonna be a long day. Though. Yeah, so it's a loss. Next game should be much more competitive and much better when they take on Idaho at home. Because they are shoot, aren't they? Um the it's, it's in Reno, obviously playing the Vandals. What what is they? I saw it the other day. I need to check. Were they number seven in the FCS poll?
1: I don't recall exactly where they were, but I can tell you in the FCS minute, if you'll you'll allow me. Um, They were a playoff team last year for the first time since making the drop to that FCS level. Top 25 in offense, top 25 on defense. They really engineered a pretty strong turnaround under their new head coach, Jason Eck. They have a quality quarterback, Giovanni McCoy, who was one of the better young, you know, seven callers anywhere in that level last year. They also have their leading receiver, Hayden Hatton, back. He had 83 catches for 1,200 yards last year. The Vandals are a very dangerous opponent for a team with as many holes to address on the side of the ball. And let's not forget, as we mentioned at the very onset of this podcast, this is still a team that lost by two touchdowns to Incarnate Ord last year. So, I tentatively have this one penciled in as a as a Nevada win. If I'm being truly honest, it would not shock me if they dropped this game.
0: Yeah, if you, li- I guarantee, uh, I'm with you on there because looking at the top 25, they're number eight. And current is right next to them this year, number seven. And Idaho is seven to five last year. They're number eight team in the FCS ranks, also. I know they haven't done it yet. I think it's probably gonna be this week or something. Uh, if you if people listen to split zone duo, they do the FCS upset upset draft. Mm-hmm. I could see I'm not I don't recall exactly how they do it, but I know they do a point system. I'm pretty sure this will be a lower point system as which means a more likely upset. That's probably correct. So I'm leaning, I mean your direction, they probably should win and could win, but I would not be surprised if lose like by 10 points because this Nevada team's not great. Next. Game on the schedule, they have it continue their non conference. Um, sl- as I like, close their schedule out, is it uh Kansas? Kansas, sorry, Kansas at home. Whew. This another, isn't the another
1: pretty another pretty good opponent coming to Mackey. They get one of those like every
0: other year, it seems. That's true. They get them at home. The offense is what's going to be difficult because they have both the preseason Big 12 quarterback of the year and running back of the year, and so they're going to have some challenges. <laughs> the defense is going to be tested the first three weeks of the season. Even against Idaho, they'll be tested a little bit. But, like, the way Kansas plays is, like, remember, if you, people watch the Arkansas-Kansas bowl game last year, that was one of the most exciting games in the country. And it had, what, 100-plus points in that game. I think it went to overtime as well. But when they have all this type of talent on, at their positions where um, – if I could speak today. Like, they have an offense that's going to run up the score. This – it won't be as bad as USC game, but they're not gonna be able to keep plays so like Jalen Daniels throwing the ball and things like that. Scoring points is gonna be what they do. And I don't know if they think it's Daniels or others on this team. It's gonna be tough.
1: I mean, I think that the situation here is sort of what you're looking for against USC, because while the Jayhawks do I mean you mentioned you know the offensive talent they have. Daniels, Neil, you know, also tight end Mason Fairchild, pretty good himself, uh, as well as like one of the better uh, offensive linemen anywhere in the Big 12 and Mike Nowitzki at center. Yeah. There's more questions on the defensive side of the ball. So even though they do have a guy like Kobe Bryant coming back, he was an all Big 12 pick last year, 12 passes defended. You know, if you're Nevada, you just want to be able to, like, again, you just want to score some points, move the ball, especially since, you know, the Jayhawks were. Really kind of a story of two teams last year where they got off to a very strong start. As everybody remembers, they were 5-0. and But then after dropping the one-score game at home to TCU, injuries played a role in this to some extent, but they weren't quite the same team in the second half of the year either. You know, They gave up 40, 52 points to Oklahoma on the road, gave up 35 to Baylor on the road, 43 to Texas Tech, 55 to Texas, 47 to, Texas, or to Kansas State, their arch rival. Mm -hmm. so I'm guessing you can understand what I'm getting at. Like the defense took a major step back as the season progressed against some serious competition. So I think if Nevada wants to prove that they can be serious competition this year, I don't think they're going to win this game either, but you know, this is the kind of game that they should be able to make more competitive if they hope to compete in the mountain West this year.
0: Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's going to be closer than USC loss because the defense isn't, that great, but it's going to be another unfortunate another defeat for them. Mm-hmm. Like this, I think defeat's going to be the uh main focus of this year, right? This team we're talking about. Because then they go to, I think Texas State is a real chance for them to get a win this year. Because Texas State was one of the worst teams in the FBS last year. Not great. No. Um
1: no, fired no. their head coach, Jake Spavadall, out. Yeah. Former former Hawaii coach GJ Kinney after a very successful one-year stint at incarnate word um you may remember he was the guy who put up all those yeah. points mm-hmm. against this very same wolfpack team last year and wolfpack now a break the coach a... <laughs> at, yeah now he's the coach at texas state and it's it's interesting to sort of see what the composition of this year's bobcats team looks like because they do have some holdovers from you know these teams that by and large underperformed but they do have some like individual guys who have proven to be pretty good over the long haul. Like on defense, for example, Jordan Rebels, their defensive end, is still around. You know, last year he led the team, I believe, in both sacks with four and a half and 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 six and a half TFLs as well. He's back. They still have, you know, their top three runners back from a year ago, including Calvin Hill, who was banged up here and there. Um, if he's healthy, like he can be a difference maker. And, you know, two years ago, he uh I believe he averaged about five and a half yards per carry. Major question for for Kenny and for the Bobcats is what is the quarterback situation going to look like? And because again, Lane Hatcher is out, but they brought in Malik Hornsby from Arkansas. They brought in mm-hmm. TJ Finley from Auburn. You know, if, if you watched the San Jose State game last year, you may have not, you may have come away less than impressed with Finley. But you know, one of those guys is probably going to win the job, and they're going to have some at least some decent pieces to be able to throw to guys like Ashton Hawkins, Bo Corrales, veteran pieces. So I think if there's one FCS or FBS opponent in the non-conference schedule they should be able to beat, it should be this team, especially since you know even despite the fact you know they have Rebels, you know, and Kenny also brought in you know safety Caleb Colt from UIW. He had, I believe, almost 200 tackles over the last two years with the Cardinals there. So they've got some talent on this side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think Nevada should be able to win this game, though.
0: Yeah, they should. It looks like Cornsby's probably the starter, where he only played a little bit of Arkansas, mm-hmm. but he didn't even complete 50% of his passes, which is not good. He can mm-hmm. run a little bit. But again, with G- G.J. Kinney, Kinney's type of offense, there's potential the offense to this is what week four of the year to figure a few kinks out and just get real game experience to where they could kind of uh over exceed or at least start to show what they could do but mm-hmm. i think nevada should win this game but i don't really trust about all that much overall but texas State's not great it's on the road so that's a concern for me as well away from home and a decent type decent road trip to uh dude where does where is, where is texas State? they're in san marcos correct that's correct Okay. I'm trying to think where that is in the state, but it's a, it's a small town. So getting from Reno to there will probably not be super easy. So that kind of adds to it a little bit. If we want to, mm-hmm. just kind to pile on a little bit, unfortunately. <laughs> um, What do we have for conference play? Because here's what the road slate is. It starts off with this Fresno under road. They get no help on the road games, Fresno state, San Diego state, Utah state. And then their easiest game is probably Colorado state. And that's, they're going to be a better team. So that's, their road slate does not help a team that is uh, kind of in need of, uh, as we discussed, um, a little bit of assistance to uh, get a few victories, and that's a tough road slate for them. All their easy yeah. games at home, like they do miss Boise State, they do miss Air Force, they do miss some of the some pretty good teams, but it's uh their home road split is not favorable one bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if they're if they're going to threaten to make progress this year, it's going to be by flipping some of those results from last year against the more beatable teams at home. Like UNOV didn't play their A game in taking back the Fremont Cannon last year. Nope. But Nevada made enough mistakes that they just kind of gave the game away late. And so you know, to a certain extent, you throw out the numbers when these two teams meet because it always seems to be a very close contest between them. Yeah. Good old-fashioned hate. Hard to replicate things like that. And then if you I guess if you want to compare them against New Mexico and Hawaii, it's it makes for an interesting trio because that's you know, that's the three teams that are generally considered to be projected to finish at the bottom of the conference this year. But me personally, I have better feelings overall about the Lobos and about the Warriors than I do. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that in particular, I feel better about their chances to make improvements on offense. Yeah. So, so even, so even the home games may not necessarily be that easy, especially if the Wolfpack can't figure out their quarterback situation. If the offensive line can't, you know, collectively protect the quarterbacks better, there's potential. It could be just as messy, even as other teams are figuring it out.
0: Yeah. Cause at home, you should be better. I think, or at least at least, even if they're the same, they're better than Nevada. The Mexico, there's hope with the Dylan Hopkins and the UAB uh guys coming in, quarter coordinator, quarterback, Danny Gonzalez redoing his whole staff. There's that's probably the most winnable game. Hawaii's at home, so that's a, a trip for the Warriors to come out. And we know at Timmy Ching's year two, it should be a bit better, but it's I think it's gonna be good enough to beat Reno, to go to Reno win to the Wyoming. There's no chance. Like Wyoming's gonna win, like they can win nine to zero. And it won't be that close. I mean, like their offense, their defense will probably shut down whatever Nevada throws at them, and Wyoming's offense will do just enough to score some points here or there. So, I honestly think I see them losing every game at home.
1: Well, if I'm being honest, I see them losing every conference game. Period.
0: Okay, I'm glad you said that first to me because I'm in agreement with you. 0 and eight conference play.
1: I think if they're going to steal wins this year, they're going to have to take advantage of shaky offensive lines. Is going to put a lot of pressure on the front seven, front six, whatever you want to call it, to be as productive, at least in terms of attacking the quarterback as they were last year. And to me, I think if you're looking for places where they can post, you know, wins with that in mind, mm-hmm. you know, the two home games against New Mexico and Hawaii stand out as obvious candidates. But you might you might be able to throw the road game against Colorado State in there as well. Like we don't know mm-hmm. what the Rams on you know, the offensive line is going to look like either. And I think to a certain extent, you could say the same thing about the Aggies, too. So, you know, that four game stretch going into November, two home games followed by the two road games back to back. If you're looking to make hay, I think that is the most likely stretch that they're going to do it.
0: Yeah. Like, when I'm looking at games they could win. Maybe UNLV, just because the rival's been close, but. New Mexico, Hawaii, Colorado State. I'm not, maybe not Utah State as much. I think they probably have more talent overall. But I could, if I'm being an s- s- extreme optimist, I can, and it's not very good to say. when this, might be two wins, but I, I do think there's a chance they could win at if everything goes right, three conference games. But I, I, going week to week and everything in the vacuum, I don't see them being better than any team on the schedule they face. There's chances. So, Why, so, like I said, it's difficult. New Mexico. I'll see it when I believe it, but. Yeah, it's it's over for me in league play.
1: So, so let me ask you this, then: Mm -hmm. if you see three or four potential conference wins on the table, we've talked about a lot of questions that the Wolfpack are going to need to answer. What do you think is the one question that, if they absolutely hit the nail on the head and find the answer for this year, maybe you know, depending on the situation for twenty twenty four as well? What do you think is going to be like? What is the answer that you think is most likely to propel them to the, as many wins as they can find on the schedule?
0: That's a good question. Based on who they play and what the, this is a lot of questions. Like we mentioned, so many question marks of what they have with transfers or guys who are just finally getting the chance to start. I think here's the look at who they play in Mountain West. And they'll kind of answer a question. The only legit offense they play that's going to be elite is Fresno State. No other offense should scare an average team in the Mountain West. So that helps them a lot. So they don't need to score a lot of points to win a couple games of league play. Like maybe UNLV, they could show flashes. Possibly that's an unknown with Brendan Marion, his offense there, and Doug Brumfield throwing the ball. But Wyoming doesn't have elite offense. CSU... They moved well a little bit, but they don't, they're pro- obviously probably not going to have them. They're starting running back Avery Morrow. Um, Clay Millen will take a step forward, but he wasn't in Torrey Horton, but they weren't exactly explosive. Hawaii, they're going to do the run and shoot, but how effective would be? New Mexico never has a good offense. Aztecs, we know, replacing what they do, so they're, they don't need to score points, so I could kind of eliminate the offense there, just because the offense, maybe I shouldn't, but the offense doesn't need to be, the offense can be just okay and be competitive in a lot of these games. And so I think the defense has to be better, and I guess I'll say the linebacking group might be an area because it's the maybe I'll go bigger to that front six or seven, like you mentioned, whatever down lineman they're going to do. I think if if that area, if they can limit these offensive limited teams are facing to even fewer points, that will help them a lot. I, I think that's where I'll go to the front bit because if they still down not San Diego State. Okay, they honestly may only need 17 points to beat San Diego State, New Mexico, or Wyoming. I don't think that's far-fetched for them to score that few points and maybe win those games. So, I think if the defense can take a step forward, and that front seven can attack the quarterback, and you're not having your secondary be three of your top four tacklers. That's what I think would be help them the most this year, and I guess going forward. But for this year, the way schedule plays out, they don't need to score a ton of points to win more to win some games. They just gotta slow down the teams that don't have offense and allow their offense and allow that side of the ball to limit opposing offenses to where when you score would Brandon Talton if you give him four field goals. Okay. They, they might win a game 12 to six against like the Mexico possibly.
1: Wolfpack need a quarterback, dude.
0: I know they do, but they, I'm just they, saying, need, a like... cor-
1: they need a quarterback because <laughs> you know, they, because they, they are actually on paper, not that far field from the kind of offense performance, for example, that San Jose state put up last year with a shaky offensive line, but a quarterback who could make the most out of a, out of a sticky situation or okay. a San Diego state, which, you know, wasn't great in the first half of the year, definitely saw a turnaround once they actually had an answer at quarterback, even despite the fact that the offensive line was still shaky in pass protection. So it, I think that that, kind of jump forward is on the table for this team. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, even if the offensive line still isn't great shakes, if they have a good enough quarterback who can like bail themselves out of plays every so often and just get rid of the ball effectively and safely more consistently than they got last year, that's going to solve a lot of problems. They need a quarterback. They need someone to start all 12 games and just, you know, be the guy for this year. And for next year, they can't afford to dally around if they want to take a step forward this fall.
0: I get your point. I, I, you're not wrong. They definitely need quarterbacks to score points. And so I think, both, I think they need it all. There's a lot they need. I just think they could score fewer points and still get more wins than needy. Like it would clearly help if they could score 30 something points a game. So that's clear. I think offense to be more fun and to be more a watchable product to tune into the value of football games on TV, that's going to be good so both answers are correct we just have different reasons for getting there i just my thought was just that well you're like playing teams that don't score many points hold them the fewer points because your offense isn't going to be very good so maybe your answer works as well where they just if they have an explosive quarterback or offense they can go in and beat hawaii new mexico and csu who may not score or one who don't score a lot of points if you have two big breakthrough plays like i could see let's say the quarterback comes out and, and plays extremely well back if they get two touchdown passes on offense for adverse Wyoming and a couple of field goals, they could they could win that game. They could win that game with like 17 points or 20 points. So So what do you think is the you- what do you
1: think is the what do you think is like the 99th percentile outcome for this team? Oh man, 4 and 8. <laughs> what do you think the floor is?
0: Oh, over. They can lose every game. Yeah.
1: I was I was going to say roughly the same thing, yeah.
0: Cause like again, like there's the schedule. Of, they don't outside of Fresno State, and we know San Diego State will be good. Like there's and, and obviously, sorry, they're, there's they have three good conference games. But I could see a path to beating Wyoming. I could see a path to beating maybe San Diego State. Like I'm, I'm reaching here. But the way the, the reason I'm saying, folks, people are like, oh, you're ter- you're they're not going to win. I'm like, they're probably not. But the way those two teams play, what if, what if Nevada gets a kick return for a touchdown? and a short field and, and score like score 17 points of turnovers? Mm-hmm. Or what if they they flip the field or Brandon Talton hits a hits two 56-yarders in the snow in that final weekend? Like, I could see, same thing as St. I could see paths for wins just because the way those other teams play. Doesn't mean they're going to mm-hmm. win, but I, that's, I'm i thinking four wins. Like, if I'm going to pick two conference games you're going to win, I'd be picking New Mexico and I guess Hawaii because they're at home. I'd pick those two games if I'm I'm gonna go to say they're sealing a four wins. I guess we'll wait and
1: see. I just I I mean I don't feel about I don't feel good about their chances this year. Nope. But I do think if they do at least resolve some of the concerns that they have that we've talked about throughout this podcast, then I think at a minimum they should be in a pretty good shape to really make a move in twenty twenty four.
0: Yeah. We'll see. That's why they play the games, right? Yeah, it's another year of kind of building things up and so hopefully get that experience. Which this could be like, we'll wrap up here real quick. A couple years ago, well, I mean, like they were terrible. Like Logan Wilson's freshman year, they're awful. But they end up having like eight plus starters for the next two to three years, and eventually mm-hmm. got better. And hopefully that's the case where it's not always correlative just because you play an experienced major and be good, but it can't hurt. And so maybe that's the path they're going on in all these positions. But uh, that is our Nevada preview. We project them to unfortunately not be well. Hey. Plus, at least surprise prices Ken Wilson. Get, get like a couple wins and play. Give an upset security Kansas or something. That'd be awesome to see. But this does wrap up our, our preview season, MWR.com. can check our website, if you like our show, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Keep coming to your inbox. Next up, we'll have our – we're going to figure out some bold predictions and mega preview. Matt, maybe I'll have you record something from the road. I don't know if you could send that in. That might be something we could talk about if you have time. <laughs> Not to put pressure on what's going on with your life at the moment, but – it'll be me and a combination of others to do our big mega preview for some sort of big picture projections, predictions type stuff. And then week zero has three games in less than two weeks. We survived the off
1: You love to say that, don't you?
0: That we survived the off season.
1: <laughs> That's right. We're, we're, we're anyway, almost there. I could taste it.
0: I do. The season's so short. It's four months. That's it. It's so short. And yet it consumes us
1: all season, all off season long, it, all year long.
0: Does, oh, i can't wait to talk about games i know it's so dumb and stupid and fun it's great so we'll be back games are coming up soon again mwr.com to find all of our stuff and we'll in twitter mwc wire as well and we'll be back next time it's uh we'll be talking some uh some games and stuff pretty soon